Cool, back up. Today is the 3rd of May, 2022, and we are almost to the day of Wisaka Puja, the holiday which falls on the 15th lunar day of the 6th lunar month. And this year, that day is the 15th of May, 2022. And this is an important day in the Buddha Sasana. We see in these important days in the Buddha's dispensation, we have the days the Buddha was born, was awakened, gave the first teaching, realized final Nibbana, and taught the Ovada Padimoka. This is for the Theravada tradition. And for the Theravada tradition, the day that we recollect and celebrate the birth, enlightenment, and parinibbana of the Buddha is the 15th day of the sixth lunar month. And so we study about this and we can ask, well, when the fully self-awakened Buddha realized awakening, what was it that he awakened to? And the Buddha awakened to the truth of suffering, the cause of suffering, the cessation of suffering, and the path leading to that cessation. And so this reality of dukkha, of suffering, is something that we understand well, we feel in our hearts, something that all people, all beings experience ever since birth. Because since we're born, ever since we're born, we seek out wealth, we seek out land, a home, seek to study, gain knowledge and skills and so on. And we have this craving to become. This craving has three types. And this craving that's the cause of dukkha has the type of uh, kamatanha, craving for sensuality, bhavatanha, the craving to become, and vibhavatanha, craving to not become. And this craving for sensuality is being lost in the pleasure of the senses, these things that we like, lost in form, lost in physical experience, sounds, taste, uh, sights, mental objects, and so on. And these are objects that we like, and we become lost in them. But if we have liking for sense objects, but we also have mindfulness and wisdom, then we're not lost in them. But usually the nature of the mind that lacks knowledge is to become lost in these experiences, lost in these sense objects. And so the mind that's lost in this way, then this mind also experiences having things or being things. And having, possessing something or being something and that mind wants more, wants more of having that type of thing or wants more of being whatever that is. And so this is the mind that's lost again, lost in becoming, wanting to have, wanting to be. And having been lost already, then the mind just wants more, wants more having, more possessing, more becoming, more and more. And we can summarize this as saying wanting pleasure, wanting happiness. 
This is the mind that's chasing after happiness. And that happiness and pleasure that we get, it's never enough. We want more of that pleasure and happiness, more and higher types as well. And so this is wanting to have, wanting to be the bhava tanha. And the mind that's lost in it is the mind that doesn't contemplate. And we don't consider or ask, well, the one who has experienced having something or being something, where is that individual to be found? And even having the highest position in the world, well, where is that reality now? And we can consider in a hundred years from now how many people living today will still be left, whether one's the highest in the world, has a lot of ability, a lot of material wealth, a lot of mindfulness and wisdom. But we see that no one is left in the end. And so we see time goes on like that and who is left. And when we reach that time, then no one can take anything with them when they depart this world. And then we have the experience of receiving things that we don't like. This is not wanting to be, not wanting to have the vibhavatanha. This is the mind that's agitated and troubled, not wanting to be, not wanting to have. And so the mind receives these sense objects and moods. This gives rise to feelings. And based on these feelings, these three types of craving arise. This is the mind lost in sense objects. The craving to become, craving to not become, craving for sensuality. These three types of craving. And based on these three types of craving, then Vedana feelings arise. And this Vedana, this feeling is also the cause for craving. So we see that they cause each other and lead on to attachment, clinging to the sense of self to arise. And this wanting to be, wanting to have, we're lost in it. We think that it's pleasure, think that it's happiness. We don't see that these experiences are impermanent. And the Buddha taught, and we see through the Buddha's teachings, if we don't want suffering, if we want a happiness that doesn't change, that doesn't depart, then what should we do? And the Buddha contemplated this matter already, saw that some individuals realize jhana, these deep states of absorption, but they don't have wisdom yet to reach nibbana. This is one with samadhi, but it's a worldly samadhi, a worldly peace and collectedness. It degrades and passes away. And when it does pass away, then the kilesas, the defilements, arise again. The kilesas arise again. And so the Buddha saw the path to true freedom is virtue, collectedness, and wisdom. This is the path to bring the mind freedom from suffering. And so we walk this path of sila, samadhi, panya. We walk this path, and when we're walking on this path of sila, samadhi, panya, Greed, aversion, and delusion can't arise. The experience of freedom from suffering arises. This is experience of cessation, of nirodha, of the absence of craving. And through this path, we're able to let go, to give up that which we cling to. And we realize freedom from suffering.
And we hear about this path and hearing about it is easy, but when we put it into practice, we experience that it's not easy. But we can ask, well, is it beyond our ability? And no, it's not beyond our ability. It is something that's possible. So we have to take care, have restraint, have perseverance and effort, and have this affinity or liking for the practice, this chanda. We like the practice, we want to do it. And so we strive with perseverance and effort. We really apply ourselves to the practice, to seek the Dhamma, and we practice continuously all the time. So we have this faith, we have this effort, this firm intent to train the mind in peace and collectedness, to give rise to collectedness. In the beginning, we may feel we experience a lot of problems, have a lot of doubting and agitation in the mind. But when the mind has samadhi, then we really feel at ease. And when we don't have samadhi, then we feel very agitated. And so these two sides are always fighting like this in our practice. Whether we're a monastic or a lay practitioner, these two sides of peace and lack of peace uh, fight like this. And these are moods that we experience. And we also experience liking beauty, liking the bodies of ourselves or others. But we should contemplate this and see, well, that which we're observing that which we can see, is it really beautiful in truth? Is it truly beautiful? The physical form of oneself or another, is it truly beautiful? That which we see, is it actually beautiful? So we have to contemplate this. And we see that the mind is deceived, it's misapprehending, seeing uh, beauty in this way, we see it's a misapprehension. So we contemplate the body, contemplate it as something not beautiful. This can bring our mind to a firm and well-established peace. And when we're able to contemplate like this, we're able to see emptiness, to see that physical form is something that's not self. It's ever-changing, it's of the nature of suffering. And these obstacles to wisdom, obstacles to samadhi, we can say they're like old friends that we've been very close to for a long time. These things that we like or things that we hate. It can be anger arising, wishing to harm arising. We see that some people, they give rise to anger and ill will easily. Other people give rise to greed and wanting more easily. Either way, there are qualities that cover over the mind that prevent the mind from collecting in samadhi. Similarly with fear, with restlessness, with sleepiness and drowsiness, with agitation and a busy mind or the annoyed mind. And so we need to practice, we need to train our minds in samadhi to bring them to true peace. And this quality of virtue, of sila, is important as well. We can't throw away the practice of virtue we need virtue. Sometimes a mindfulness and wisdom is not enough, and so we need to patiently endure with virtue. We see that this quality of virtue helps control the kilesas. 
It helps restrain our minds to be within the bounds of virtue. And so we do this and we make ourselves able to do this. And this, in this way we can train in samadhi to improve our mindfulness, to make our samadhi firm in order to bring the mind to wisdom. So we need to have restraint and care with this, to speak little, to wake with effort, to have restraint in our six sense doors. And wherever liking and disliking arise, we practice right there, to cut off attachment right there. And the mind that's pure is the mind that's Buddha. Buddha. And so we see the, the body as something not beautiful. We see that it's a bag filled with unclean things. Seeing this clearly, the mind can feel rapture and happiness and fullness of heart. So we need to train in this. We need to overcome these obstacles, to contemplate, to see that it all degrades and passes away. And then this gives rise to wisdom. In the Buddhist time, there were some individuals who had trained a lot already, and they could see a subha, see something not beautiful just once, and then they were able to awaken to the Dhamma right there, succeed right there. This is because they had trained their minds already in the past. So may you set your hearts on this to train your mind, to strive in this Dhamma practice, not to give up, not to retreat. Because we've been born into these lives already. We have this very good fortune. So therefore we should strive to bring the mind to true knowledge. And we have this and bring the mind to rapture and peace, to bring the mind to samadhi. It's not beyond our ability, not beyond our capacity for effort. And whether we have craving for sensuality, craving to become, craving to not become, we can ask, well, are we going to die? And when we die, we can't take any of these things with us. It's all not self, none of it belongs to us. They're just objects that we use temporarily. They're not something that we can truly possess. They're just something that we use in order to help us overcome suffering because we can't live in this world without some material supports. But we use them in a skillful way on the path to freedom from suffering. So may you all set your hearts on this practice.